Howdy. This is Too Busy for Crypto. This podcast is for fans of cryptocurrency who want to increase their financial literacy and cryptocurrency literacy. None of this is financial advice. I am not an expert. I am an enthusiast. This podcast is for education. This episode discusses accounting concepts. Why discuss accounting? Accounting concepts are foundational to finance. Accounting describes the exchange of value between two theoretical parties called accounts. Accounting may be the reason writing was invented, to keep a tally of who owes the king. How does one discuss accounting? First, we must be open to the idea that accounting is interesting. Then, we must discover its significant traits. Then, we may find it is both significant and interesting to us. Let's begin. It is normal to hear the word accounting and think of boring nerds doing boring math to figure out how much was spent and how much is left. Those of us that grew up learning to balance a checkbook think of that as accounting and leave it there. For many people, the extent of thinking about accounting is checking your bank balance online before you pay a bill to see if you have enough to cover the bill and what will be left over. It is unusual for someone who has managed to avoid the subject of accounting to go looking into it for any reason. Before I looked into it, I never even thought to ask an accountant or a business person about it because I did not think there was much to say. What I discovered when looking into it is that accounting is a science of balance and an art of robust record-keeping. Accounting concepts form the foundation of finance and financial products. Finance without accounting would be an incomprehensible mess without any trustworthy information. It would be like giving someone a cooking recipe without a common measurement language like cups, pounds, degrees, or minutes. Not everyone can understand any account ledger. The application matters and intent of the operator matters. A result of this is that the unit of account matters. Two major uses of accounting procedures are 1. To create a ledger that documents the movement of money to and from specific accounts based on a common unit of account, and 2. To create standardized financial statements that summarize the ledger in a given unit of account. Financial statements are scrutinized by business managers and analysts. Ledgers are scrutinized by accountants and auditors. The unit of account is critical to proving that the books make sense, i.e. that the books are balanced. When we hear the word account and the word balance, we usually think bank balance. Try to ignore that association for now so we can approach these words from a basic level. To call accounting a science of balance requires a metaphor. Imagine a seesaw, and imagine there are two approaches to describe the state of the seesaw. Approach 1. The left side is up, which means the right side is down. Approach 2. The right side is down, which means the left side is up. The approaches appear the same, but they are directional. 
Scalars are numbers that are non-directional. When I say a car is going 50 miles per hour, 50 miles per hour is a scalar. The speed scale expresses the transition from stillness to motion. Vectors are numbers that are directional. A car is going north at 50 miles per hour. The scalar plus a direction is a vector. In accounting, any number you see before the bottom line is like a vector. It can describe a change due to motion or a change of possession. It came from A and went to B, or it belonged to A and now it belongs to B. Every number before the bottom line has a mirror image somewhere else in the ledger. Changes to both the source account and the destination account must be documented in order for both sides of a ledger to balance. This is where the idea of double-entry accounting comes into play. The term balance originates from the double-entry method. Double-entry accounting is a technology of record-keeping. In practice, it is an art. If it were not an art, you would never hear the term creative accounting. Here is some history from the website accountingformanagement.org. Quote, the first book on the double-entry system of accounting was written by an Italian mathematician, Fra Luca Pacioli, and his close friend, Leonardo da Vinci. The book was published in Venice in 1494. Pacioli and da Vinci did not claim to be the inventors of double-entry accounting, but they explored how the concepts could be used in a more efficient and organized way. The book was further divided into many small chapters and sections describing double entry, journals, trial balance, balance sheet, income statement, and many tools and techniques which were subsequently adopted by many accountants and traders. Some form of the double entry system of accounting was already in practice. No one exactly knows when and how it was invented. The double-entry system of accounting or bookkeeping is based on the fact that each business transaction essentially brings two financial changes in business. These changes are essentially recorded as debits or credits in two or more different accounts using certain rules known as rules of debit and credit. In the double-entry system of accounting, Every debit entry must have a corresponding credit entry, and every credit entry must have a corresponding debit entry. It is the basic principle of double-entry accounting, and there is no exception to it. For example, if a business purchases furniture for $500 cash, the value of total furniture is increased by $500, and at the same time, the cash amounting to $500 is decreased. If the business is using the double-entry system of accounting, it must debit the furniture account by $500 and credit the cash account by $500. End quote. Perhaps that explanation of double-entry accounting makes sense until the mumbo-jumbo of an account credit and an account debit. I will get to that. The point right now is that any financial action is directional travel between two accounts. Like the second law of thermodynamics, every action has an equal and opposite reaction.
double entry accounting is a record keeping method that describes the second law of thermodynamics in a financial context. Accounting is financial rather than purely mathematical because it is about the allocation of property in one place versus another. Or said differently, a handover of a claim on property from one party to another. Accounting is the system of records that describe where everything is or has been. The study of many accounting records turns into economics. Economics is the analysis of the allocation of scarce resources that have alternative uses. Now it's time to talk about the accounting equation. This equation is the root of all topics of accounting and it is the first thing you will see in any description of accounting. The equation is assets equals owner's equity plus liabilities. You heard that right. Equity is assets and liabilities are assets. More importantly, you have to add them together to describe the total assets of an account. This concept may be divided from a major account, like a business, into smaller accounts like cash, equipment, bills, and quotes. A great explanation I found that simplifies the equation is as follows. What equals who? What is stuff? Who is who has claimed to that stuff? Claims are a fundamental part of law. Claims occur when someone does not have possession. If you have a car loan, you have possession of the car, but the bank has claim to the car. The claim would be irrelevant if it were not for the fact that you signed a contract giving the bank claim to the car in order to take possession from the seller who was receiving payment from the bank and not you. If the contract did not exist, then only possession would matter, and not a claim. Again, the simplified explanation of the accounting equation is what equals who? What is stuff? Who is who has claimed that stuff? If I own a business, there are two types of claims on the assets of the business. My claims and other people's claims. My claims are called owner's equity. Other people's claims are called liabilities. That is, anyone who lent money or expects something. Thus, we arrive at the original accounting equation, which is assets equals owner's equity plus liabilities. Once you understand that every asset may have claims coming from two potential directions, then it is time to perform record-keeping in the form of double-entry accounting. The old-school way to do this on paper is with a drawing called a T-account. A T-account is a visual written method that comes from using paper books to record entries. You name the account. For example, Picnic Basket. You write the words Picnic Basket. You underline it. Then you draw a vertical line down from the underline to create a large T under the words picnic basket. The left side of the T represents what's in the basket, and the right side of the T represents 
Who has claim on the what's? It is my picnic basket, but I am having a picnic with my wife. Both of us put things into my basket. I put in a sandwich and chips. My wife puts in fruit and cheese. I write sandwich, chips, fruit, and cheese on the left side of the T because that's what's in the basket. On the right side of the T, I record claims. I make a little T for me and a little T for my wife. My little T is labeled owner's equity and I write in sandwich and chips. My wife has claimed to the fruit and cheese, so I write that on a little t labeled liabilities. Entries on the left have an exact counterpart to entries on the right. The sum of values on the left side of a t should match the sum of values on the right side of a t. This is double entry accounting. The terms debit and credit can be confusing and annoying but they are some necessary jargon to mention. To the average person, a credit account is you spending someone else's money. A debit account is you spending your own money. In accounting, credit and debit is which side of the T is seeing additions or subtractions. Debits are numbers added to the left side of a T, and credits are numbers added to the right side of a T. Where it gets confusing is that debits increase left-side assets and credits increase right-side claims. How this is done among many little t-subaccounts is like the order of operations in algebra. Each little t must be solved before solving the next larger t. The left and right sides of all little t's get added up. All the left sides get added together and all the right sides get added together, and then you compare the sum of all the left sides with the sum of all the right sides, and under the large T, those should equal each other, and that is a balanced ledger. That means that with a particular unit of account, the value of all the assets on the left side matches the value of all the claims on those assets on the right side. This is what the word balance is all about. As regular people, we think of the balance of a bank account, and that refers to our little t on the bank balance sheet that shows the money going into and out of our account. The bank balance is, does the total that's in the account match the sum of the credits and debits? A brief summary. I have explained assets and claims on assets. Claims may be equity or liabilities. Debits and credits are a record of the increase or decrease of any given assets or claim on assets. A ledger is the written record of assets and claims, and a record of debits and credits. Everything on a ledger is recorded in a common unit of account, like dollars. What good is it to understand any of this? I have described the makeup of a ledger, which is what a blockchain is. Cryptocurrency, broadly, is a ledger. It is an asset on a ledger, and it is a unit of account. Some common financial assets are stocks and bonds. Stocks are equity because they are a claim of ownership. Bonds are liabilities because they are a claim of lending. 
The basic jargon of assets and equity and liabilities can be found everywhere. If you are reading a press release from a business, those words are always used in an accounting context, not in a colloquial context. Now for some practical examples of these terms. This example may sound odd if you have never heard it before, but it is true. A bank account is an asset where you lend money to the bank. You give up control of your money and retain a claim of ownership on it. The bank takes your money and lists it as a liability that it owes you. Your claim allows you to ask for your money back. The bank does not want a bunch of owed liabilities without a counterbalance of owned assets. The bank creates a mirror image of your bank account in its ledger that is an asset that it lends out to a borrower. A bank creates money out of thin air to lend out as an asset as soon as it receives a deposit liability. For a bank, deposits are liabilities and loans are assets. What's more, the bank may create up to nine times the money out of thin air that it receives as deposits. The ratio that limits this is called the reserve requirement. If a bank receives $1,000 as a deposit and creates one loan for $9,000, that means the bank reports total assets of $10,000. If too many depositors come asking for money at the same time, the bank will use various tactics to not repay what it owes. This is not because the bank doesn't have your money. This is because the bank would have to recall or cancel nine times the amount in loans that it made in order to meet its reserve requirement. In this way, all banks are insolvent as soon as a small percentage of depositors come asking for their money at the same time. Banks also do not carry cash and will do everything they can to not give you cash. So if you need money out of a bank, you better wire it out. Waiting for an ACH transfer during a bank run is as dumb as standing in line for cash. Understanding what are assets and who has claim makes this convoluted game make much more sense. What else does accounting do? In terms of common business practice, the field of accounting prescribes how to report certain financial information so that external parties may understand the financial state of the business. These reports are called major financial statements. The balance sheet is a financial statement. It lists assets, equity, and liabilities in order to demonstrate that as of a particular date, the value of all assets matches the value of all claims of equity and liabilities. Balance refers to the matching of the sum of assets to the sum of claims. The balance sheet tells the outside world certain metrics about a company, like the debt-to-equity ratio. A high debt-to-equity ratio looks less favorable to lenders who want proof that interest payments would not be interrupted if they made a new loan. There is an income statement which describes sources and timing of income and expenses. 
income, and expenses are subaccounts that are created to be able to look at inflows and outflows without cluttering the equity and liabilities subaccounts. Income and expense accounts also allow a delay of assigning values to equity and liabilities with regard to timed actions like dividend payments and interest payments. Net income ultimately belongs to equity, as long as certain liabilities like interest payments have been covered. Whereas the balance sheet is a snapshot of a particular date, the income statement covers a period of time, like a month. Net income is a single-line component of a balance sheet. The balance sheet shows overall financial health. The income statement shows the efficiency of ongoing activities relative to benchmarks. A benchmark might be a spending budget, or cost of revenue for one product versus another product, or one sales outlet versus another sales outlet. This is also known as the cost of doing business. A well-known maxim is, you have to spend money to make money. There is a cash flow statement, which describes the current availability of cash that is ready to spend on bills or to save or to reinvest. A cash flow statement shows whether incomes or expenses are realized or unrealized. Unrealized income is earned income. Unrealized expenses are incurred expenses. You can earn income before or after providing a service. Earned income after performing work, but before receiving payment, is an asset. Receiving payment before performing work is unearned income, and that is a liability. Prepaid service must be performed to call the income earned and classify it as an asset. The process is similar for prepaid expenses. Those are assets. They reduce available cash and reduce the burden of short-term demand for cash. If a business is expecting to get money and expecting to pay money, the timing of these events matters if the cash on hand is low. Most people have experienced overdraft fees or denied credit card payment transactions. Many people have experienced having their electricity or phone shut off due to a payment being attempted from an empty account. The consequences to a business of not having cash to pay may be of a much larger scale than for individuals. Bankruptcy is a process for converting assets into cash to pay debts if there is insufficient cash to pay debts like utilities and interest payments. The cash flow statement gives a picture of if the company will survive the next month or three of bills. Many, if not most, businesses fail due to insufficient cash flow. If you can't pay rent, your business gets evicted, and then it's hard to make more money. Statements are very important to business managers and analysts, but they are mumbo-jumbo to the uninitiated. A person who sells toys and a person who licenses an intellectual property have two types of businesses that each produce statements with market-specific differences that only someone familiar with that market is going to catch. There are guidelines like GAAP, G-A-A-P, Generally Accepted Accounting Practices, that provide some level of standardization across business types. A business may choose to report 
gap financials, but there is still plenty of room for creativity. Financial officers spend a lot of time working on financial statements. Financial statements are presented as fact, but if the creator of the statement is trying to elicit a reaction from an investor or banker, then there may be some level of dishonesty with regard to creating a favorable image. Fact versus image can be the same as fact versus fiction. It depends on the distortion of the image. Internal reporting and external reporting serve different audiences. Large businesses will employ two different types of accountants to prepare statements for the different audiences. The two styles are financial accounting and managerial accounting. Financial accounting is external reporting for investors and regulators. It will create a financial image of the company that adheres to specific reporting guidelines. Managerial accounting is internal reporting that remains secret and is designed to give managers the most accurate picture of various metrics that allow them to make decisions on how to improve those metrics. One would expect this internal reporting to be both more accurate and more close-up than the high-level financial reporting. In the case of a business-to-business -business merger or acquisition, the external party becomes the internal party and will want to see all the gritty details in the managerial reports that are not in the financial reports. Now for a tangent on public reporting by companies. Companies that are traded publicly on a stock market have to make certain types of reports at certain times. They publish a single annual report called a 10K, three quarterly reports called a 10Q, and spontaneous reports for certain events called an 8K. When public companies issue the annual and quarterly reports, they also do an earnings call. An earnings call is intended to discuss the public reports that have been filed and to answer questions from certain Wall Street analysts. You can join the calls on Zoom or Skype, and you can find transcripts of these calls online. Earnings calls are a show, a performance, and are part of the image of financial reporting. Do not think you are getting any information from these. Public companies will have a closed-door meeting for important investors like giant fund managers, venture capitalists, and investment banks where more real information is discussed. Large public corporations are often controlled by large funds like BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, or investment banks like Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, and Bank of New York Mellon. Small companies are often controlled by venture capitalists, small hedge funds, or those same investment banks. Even more important than the investors are the directors appointed to the boards of directors. Many directors sit on the boards of many companies, and this is how the most secret and real information is conveyed through companies, or conferences, or other pretenses. Financial reporting to the public has some level of truth, but it is not the whole truth. Some business finances should absolutely be secret. Finances for a public company presented to the public should be more truthful than they are.
cryptocurrency presents a solution to shady financial secrecy in the form of a publicly transparent ledger. Pseudo-anonymity allows the sub-accounts to be visible without direct exposure of identity. Any person can inspect every part of a blockchain ledger because nothing is hidden in terms of what tokens are assigned to who addresses. A company could choose to identify their addresses and remove their pseudo-anonymity. Since the ridiculous government attack on the Mixer Protocol Tornado Cash by the U.S. OFAC, New mixer protocols are being developed that will allow people and businesses to resume performing legitimate anonymous transactions that are still on-chain, but allow functions like paying contractors and employees without exposing all identities and while allowing participants to prove that they are not a so-called terrorist. Accounting is the process of creating and explaining ledgers. Cryptocurrency, broadly, is a distributed ledger where the units of account are the assets. Because the assets exist on a distributed ledger, then the assets are also decentralized. A word for the software network that updates and verifies the ledger is blockchain. Personal accounts are called public addresses. Crypto assets are assigned to addresses on the ledger. The network is the biggest T-account. That could be Bitcoin or Ethereum or PulseChain. Ethereum and PulseChain have smart contracts, which allow many smaller T-accounts on one network. Smart contracts may be modular cryptocurrencies like HEX, which is an improved and immutable version of Bitcoin that can exist on any chain with smart contracts. At any level on a main network, whether speaking of a native network token or a smart contract token, all units of account are assigned to public addresses. Individuals can approve sending tokens to other account addresses with approval codes known as private keys. Crypto assets exist on the internet, and people may know codes that permit transactions with those assets. Conclusion I have described the scope and significance of accounting concepts in the world of finance. These concepts are valuable to regular people because they can change how you view your own finances as well as investments that others are presenting to you. Simply phrasing the accounting equation in the form of a question can help you analyze a financial situation. That question is, what equals who? A ledger is a written snapshot of what assets are claimed by who. A ledger is designed to update constantly. The practice of double-entry accounting is a method to ensure that all assets have matching claims and that all transactions are a handover that involve two parties or two accounts. Financial statements are accounting devices that extract information from a ledger and deliver that information in a format that is digestible for a specific audience. Accounting is part of everyday life. Cryptocurrency uses basic accounting concepts as part of its basic functions. An ability to understand accounting puts one ahead of the masses. 
but it is better if more people understand the importance of accounting and its relevance in our lives. This concludes this episode on accounting concepts. I hope my discussion helps you to better understand or articulate some of these ideas. Thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your day.